Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're continuing to read from Srimad Bhagavatam, 5th Canto, Chapter 17, The Descent of the River Ganges, text number 3. And once again, it is Sanskrit prose. Tata saptarisiyat tat prabhava vigya yam nanutapasa atyuntiki siddhiritevati Bhagavati Sarvatmane Vasudeva Anuparata Bhakti Yoga Labe Naivopek Sitanayartatma Gatayo Muktim Iva Gatam Mumutsaviva Sabahumanam Ajapijata Juter Udvahanti Tata thereafter Saptarishaya the seven great sages beginning with Marichi Tatrabhava Bigya who knew very well the influence of the Ganges River Yam this Ganges water, Nanu, indeed, Tapasa of our austerities, Ajantiki, the ultimate, Siddhi, perfection, Itavati, this much, Bhagavati the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sarvatmani in the all-pervading Vasudeva Krishna Anuparata continuous Bhakti Yoga of the mystic process of devotional service. Labina, simply by achieving this platform, Eva, certainly, Upekshita, neglected, Anya, other, Arta Atmagataya, all other means of perfection namely religion, economic development, sense gratification, and liberation. Muktim, liberation from material bondage. Eva, like, agatam, obtained. Mumuksavaha, persons desiring liberation. Eva, like, Sabahu Manam, with great honor, 
Ajaapi, even now, Jatajutai, with matted locks of hair, Utvahanti, they carry. The seven great sages, Marichiva, Sister, Atri, and so on, reside on planets beneath Truvaloka, well aware of the influence of the water of the Ganges. To this day, they keep Ganges water on the tufts of hair on their head. They have concluded that this is the ultimate wealth, the perfection of all austerities, and the best means of prosecuting transcendental life, having obtained uninterrupted devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they neglect all other beneficial processes like religion, economic development, sense gratification, even merging into the Supreme. Just as Gyanis think that merging into the existence of the Lord is the highest truth, these seven exalted personalities accept devotional service as the perfection of life. Purport. Transcendentalists are divided into two primary groups, the Nirvisesavadis, or impersonalists, and the bhaktas, or devotees. The impersonalists do not accept spiritual varieties of life. They want to merge into the existence of the Supreme Lord and his Brahman feature, the Brahma Jyoti. The devotees, however, desire to take part in the transcendental activities of the Supreme Lord. In the upper planetary system, the topmost planet is Druvaloka, and beneath Druvaloka are the seven planets occupied by the great sages, beginning with Marichi, Vasista, and Atri. All these sages regard devotional service as the highest perfection of life. Therefore, they all carry the holy water of the Ganga on their heads. This verse proves that for one who has achieved the platform of pure devotional service, nothing else is important, even so-called liberation, Kaivalya. Sridhar Swami states that only by achieving pure devotional service of the Lord can one give up all other engagements as insignificant. Prabodhananda Saraswati confirms his statement as follows. Kaivalyam narakayate tridasa pur akasa puspayate dudandindriya kala sarpa patali pratkata damstrayate vishwam purnasukayate vidimahendra discha Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has perfectly enunciated and broadcast the process of Bhakti Yoga. Consequently, for one who has taken shelter at the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the highest perfection of the Mayavadis, Kaivalya, or becoming one with the Supreme, is considered hellish to say nothing of the karmi's aspiration to be promoted to the heavenly planets. Devotees consider such goals to be worthless phantasmagoria. There are also yogis who try to control their senses, but they can never succeed without coming to, that, to the stage of devotional service. The senses are compared to poisonous snakes, but the senses of a bhakta engaged in the service of the Lord are like snakes with their poisonous fangs removed. A yogi tries to suppress his senses, but even great mystics like Vishamrita fail in the attempt. Vishamrita was conquered by his senses when he was captivated by Menaka during his meditation. She later gave birth to Sakuntala. The wisest persons in the world, therefore, are the bhakti yogis. 
as Lord Krishna confirms in Bhagavad Gita 6.47. Yoginam apisarve sammatkate nantaratmana shadavan bhajate yomam samayukta tamo mata. Of all yogis, he who always abides in me with great faith, worshipping me in transcendental loving service, is most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. Om Ajnana Timanandasya Gyananana Salakaya Shakshurin Minitam Yena Tasmai Sikurve Namaha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Sri Advaita Gadadara Shiva Sadikaura Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Pure devotees of the Lord um, are experiencing the constant presence of the Supreme Lord. Um, and in that constant presence uh, of the Supreme Lord, there is a constant exchange. Um, this exchange is predominated by rasa. And rasa means transcendental mellow. It means taste. Um, so... In this way, uh, their life is full of, of a wealth of taste and an endless variety thereof. And therefore, uh, always fresh inspiration in the life of such pure devotees. In the life of the impersonalist, um, basically... Um, Srila Prabhupada explains there are two types of a person impersonalist, the Mayavadi or the Sunyavadi, uh, or the those who are basically saying everything is one in Brahman, or those who are saying everything is zero. Or as Sankaracharya said, uh Brahma Satya Jagadmitya. The uh, Brahman energy is real. But the universe is false. And the Buddhists say, no, Brahman is also false. That's it. So in this way, um, as they don't recognize the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they also don't recognize the loving exchange. They also don't recognize the varieties of tastes. And therefore, um, they declare old taste to be false. Uh, they basically say all these, all this excitement, all these experiences, all the beauty in this world, it's Maya. Uh, whereas the Vaishnavas, there's an interesting reference in the second canto, which I like very much, which mentions that the... Uh, Beauty in this material world is the smiling face of Krishna. Uh, 
Now, I think that's very significant because um, it, it means that when we see beauty in this world, we don't have to write it off. We don't have to say, this is Maya, only Krishna. Uh, only Krishna's beauty is what we want and everything else is Maya. We used to maybe think like that in earlier days in Krishna consciousness. And, uh, but now we understand, like for example, a walk in the forest was considered Maya. Right? Now, that would be a, a complication in this place, right? Because you can't go very far or you're already in the forest. Uh, so, what to do? Uh, but nowadays we understand yuktahara uh, viharascha, that there is yuktahar and yuktavihar. And vihar means to uh, relax, really. And that such relaxation or vihar also means enjoying. Kunja bihari, the enjoyer of the groves in Vrindavan, Krishna. So bihar means also to enjoy. So we can actually enjoy uh, the forest. So, oh, how nice. And we can enjoy it by seeing it as the smile of Krishna. And seeing, oh, a smile is a welcome. Right? If someone doesn't smile, hmm, then, you know, it doesn't look very good. Right? Uh, you come somewhere, you go like, hmm, looks like they're not very happy to see me here. But if someone smiles, then, oh, welcome. Um, so the beauty in this material world is the welcome of Krishna. He's welcoming us to greater beauty. So not that we are bewildered by the beauty. In the early days of ISKCON, um, they, Prabhupada had stayed at Dr. Mishra's country ashram. And uh, when they had the matchless gift storefront, then one day in the summer, they went for an excursion to Dr. Mishra's ashram, just to be out of the city. Uh, so, and they were out of the city, and uh, Hayagriva slept outside that night. And in the morning, he witnessed the sunrise. And Hayagriva was a professor in English literature. So he was into poetry. So he was going like a painter from his palette has made streaks of red in the sky, and so on. Uh, so he was appreciating the beauty of, of creation. And he told Prabhupada in the same poetic language. And Prabhupada said, yes, we are more interested in the painter than in the painting, right? We are more interested ultimately in the person who made it, made it because really uh, the beauty is within him. Right. Uh, so this creation and the beauty in the creation is telling us something about Krishna. Uh, of course, uh, the material world has not been uh, created according to Krishna's desire. Uh, the material world has been created according to the desire of the living beings. 
And then Krishna went along with it. What to do? Because the living beings wanted to be in a place where Krishna was not present. How am I going to do that? I'm all pervading, right? I'm everywhere. So it's going to be difficult uh, to find a place where I'm not present. In fact, there is no such place. So what to do now? But they want such a place. All right. Then what I'll do is I create a layer of illusory energy so that it looks like a place that is separated from me and that I'm not present. And so Srila Prabhupada writes... Um, in his first translation of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which was printed in India, um, there was a dust jacket around the book, they call that, like a paper cover right, of the actual book. And on there, there was uh, a drawing of the spiritual world and material world based on a sketch that Prabhupada had made. Right? And then on the inside of the covers, on the flaps of, you know, on the flaps, there was an explanation given. And there Srila Prabhupada explained. He explained that uh, the material world is just a corner of the spiritual world which is covered by the illusory energy. So in other words, we are in the spiritual world, but just due to the illusory energy, we see it a little different. At least I do. I don't know about you. Um, but I don't see it. I mean, but Prajendanandan might see it because he talked about it the other day, uh, that here it is Vrindavan. Uh, so maybe he is seeing. I'm just seeing uh, Abenteuer, Germany. Uh, um, anyhow, what to do? The uh, but we remember, uh, we remember, and not seeing with the eyes at this in the conditioned stage, but seeing through the mind and seeing through the purified mind. A devotee can see beyond the eyes. So through the purified mind, one can see this place in a spiritual perspective and appreciate that, uh, that Vrindavan is also present here because of Madan Mohan and that little stream of water must be the Yamuna then. Right? What else could it be? That hill, well, what, what could it be? Uh, uh, I guess one of them is Govardhan, and then we have a few other ones, maybe Varsana, maybe you already gave them names. Who knows? Uh, yes. Uh, and, uh, and then, yes, uh, just as Krishna agrees to be worshipped, in a form of clay, we discussed yesterday how Dhruva Maharaj was just making a form, just from some clay, and was worshipping uh, the Lord like that. In the same way, uh, Govardhan can also manifest through some ordinary hill, right? When, uh, when Madhu Mohan is personally present, it is all possible. So, um, 
we have to, uh, in spiritual life, develop an internal life. It is not only about external, it is not only about what we do. Uh, the first initiation is very much about what we do uh, and what we are not do. Pravichimta, nivichimta. It is about following four regulative principles and uh, and it is about chanting 16 rounds. So what not to do, what to do, and to engage in devotional service. Um, um, the second initiation is different because at the second initiation we are getting the Gayatri mantras. And uh, these guy, in these Gayatri mantras we are chanting them within our mind. Um, so there it begins, the, the meditation really. While we're chanting these Gayatri mantras, we're meditating. Uh, these mantras, uh, I'm not supposed to disclose them in detail, but some things I can say. Uh, they are, first of all, pointing towards the transcendental nature, and they are also pointing towards Krishna. And not only towards Krishna, but also Krishna in his eternal abode, engaged in his eternal activities. Uh, so in this way, we begin a meditation on Krishna, and on, on Krishna in his world. When Arjuna is on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, uh, yes, Krishna is the chariot driver, Senior Ubayur Madhye, they stand between the two armies and Arjuna sees how on in the other army than his own uh, there is grandfather Bhishma and Drona Acharya and he's shocked. Just he knew that they would be there, but to see them there face by face, it brings up all kinds of emotions, just seeing them and it just is too much. And he's saying, I'm Here's, I'm not going to fight with my grandfather. I'm not going to do it. No way, you know. Um, no, I'm not going to fight with my teacher. I'm not going to do it, right? They're dear to me. No, I cannot do that, you know. I can't go there to kill them. No way. Um, so in this way, Arjuna felt, uh, felt, overwhelmed by grief and he couldn't fight and so on. So the Bhagavad Gita uh, is then spoken by Krishna and Arjuna, it is said, uh, it is said, Sarvopadisadu gavo dukta gopalananana partavatsa duktam ritam mayat. It is said that the Gita Upanishad, Bhagavad Gita is sometimes called an Upanishad because it's written in the same format as an Upanishad, although it's not an Upanishad. said, but of all the Upanishads, which is just like a herd of cows, the Gita Upanishad is the best. And Parta is Vatsa, he is the calf. Or Parta, Arjuna, he is the calf. There has to be a calf. And... Uh, then Sudhir Bhukta, the wise man, is the uh, enjoyer. Huh? And in this way, uh, that, uh, that Gita can be milked. 
So we're having this milk of the Gita uh, or this transcendental knowledge which by the mercy of Krishna and Arjuna is manifest in the material world. And suddenly we know how to see the material world through our mind's eye, through a purified eye. Right? Suddenly we don't see all these bodies, you know, usually you look at the body, and you, mm, okay, look at that one, look at this one, uh, and, and position ourselves. But now, Vichavinaya Sampane Brahmani Gavi Hastini Sunichaiva Swapakachavit Pandita Samadarshinaha. Now we see with equal vision. Uh, with equal vision, we see the soul within all living beings, whether uh, a Brahmana, a cow, an elephant, or a dog eater, all the same, the same spirit soul within. Pandita Samadarshinaha. Seeing with equal vision. Yes, so this spiritual vision is given to us by hearing, and then we gradually realize it. First intellectually, huh? first philosophically. And we're just walking around reminding ourselves, no, 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 uh, there is a spirit soul in this dog. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and we are... Uh, we're treating all living beings like that. In this flower, there is a spirit soul. In this animal, in these ants, there is a spirit soul. Let me not step on them. Uh, uh, like that, we are careful uh, in dealing with all living beings due to this spiritual vision. But that's philosophical. Uh, to really see it, you know, to actually see the soul, that's another thing. This, uh, the soul is kesagra, it is uh, one ten thousand the tip of a hair that's very small and has not yet been seen by any microscope or anything like that. Uh, so, it, so the, the vision that spiritual vision is gradually developing within us. Now with the Bhagavad Gita, we are beginning in the material world. Arjuna is in the material world and he's under the influence of the material energy. And we are also under the influence of the material energy and also identifying with the material world. So in this way, the Bhagavad Gita relates to people who are in the material world. Right? And, it re and Krishna is acting in the material world. Um, but there's also something else, and that is Krishna acting in the spiritual world, in his own world. And like I said at the beginning of the lecture, that Krishna didn't, desi didn't design this world according to his desire. He did it to facilitate our desires. Because Krishna doesn't want this. He doesn't want this material energy. He can't enjoy the material energy. He wants only the internal energy, the pleasure potency. Uh, that is what he wants. Krishna doesn't want the material world, but living beings, they want. So, all right, then let it be. Um, even, even the suffering in this material world, right? Well, look at this material world and say, like, 
you know, yeah, Krishna uh, is not responsible. Um, he didn't it didn't design it according to his desire. He designed it according to our desire. But we didn't desire suffering, did we? Huh? Did anyone desire suffering here? Is there a masochist amongst us? All right. Uh, but that's a sort of a diseased state of, of consciousness. Um, um, yeah, sometimes detention. Um, one time I slept in a room with a kleptomaniac. And it was very interesting, you know, because he had to steal. He couldn't help it, right? He had to do it. So he stole my shoes. And then, the thing is, whatever he stole, he would put it in the toilet. So my shoes were in the toilet. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it was an experience. <laughs> A kleptomaniac. Yeah, so... Prior to that, I never got so much into the psychology of a kleptomaniac, but it sort of really made me think about the kleptomaniac and sort of check on what's going on with the kleptomaniac. And uh, what it was, what it is, it's just, it's forbidden to steal. And the stress of that, of living with this, that it's forbidden, is just too much. Can't live with that, you know, it's forbidden, it's forbidden. And then they just have to do it to relieve that stress. Yeah? That's it. So I just had to steal something. Uh, stole my shoes and put in the toilet. Oh, well. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yes. So, due to the material energy, we are compelled to act in so many ways. And it takes time to purify uh, that. So, Krishna... Krishna is watching all this and saying, your desires to enjoy this material energy just go on and on and on. It never ends. Then let me put a little sand in the sweet rice. Because if there is sand in the sweet rice, then you will not go, oh, this material world is so sweet. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, how I love this world. How I love my life. And my wife and my everything else. Or husband doesn't rhyme, so sorry. Um, whatever. Um, yeah, so, in other words, enjoying uh, the material energy, we would still be enjoying the material energy uh, if there was no suffering. So why is there some suffering in the mix? That was Krishna who put it in. He did. Did he? I mean, did Krishna put the suffering? Well, well, well. Yes, he did. It's a sign of his love. His love? What kind of love is that? It is the love that he can't wait any longer. I mean, you know, what would you do? 
Now look at it from a parental point of view. Here is your darling. Baby, baby, growing like cabbage. And sure enough, turning into a youth, right? There he is. Now a youth. Oh my God, puberty has arrived. Oh no, look at this. Oh gosh, do you really have to have a spike in your cheek, right? Can't you just have one in your ear, you know? I mean, does it have to be in, in, in your tongue, right? Isn't that a little bit too much? Anyway, oh God, what you have to tolerate. So in, at that age, they sometimes really, they go a little off or sometimes completely off. And if they do, then, yeah, you know, then what you're gonna do, right? What you're gonna do? So, you know, now you're, it, it, let's say a parent has a, has a child and the child has become a heavy drug addict, a heavy drug addict. And, uh, and the child is, uh, you know, the son is regularly stealing everywhere and anywhere. And uh, the parents know that the son is going to break in into a pharmacy. And they tip off the police. Not because they are good citizens, but, you know, it's like, you know, he's unstoppable, right? It's just too much. He's just like, he's destroying himself. And, you know, it, maybe it's better if he gets caught and, you know, if they lock him up for some time, at least, you know. I mean, it's very painful for that parent to do that thing, to call, to tip off their own son to the police, but they do it because they see it as the only way to save them. So, okay, this story sort of shows how Krishna is just sitting there, like, but, you know, it's like they just go on and on and on trying to, getting themselves more and more entangled in the web of the material energy. Like a fly, they are just trying to get out and they get themselves more and more entangled. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have to give them an incentive. And the car rolled seven times and you stepped out and I'm still alive. <laughs> Maybe I should go to the temple today. <laughs> Haven't been there for a long time. Uh, suddenly, a little reminder and we are again getting more serious about spiritual life. Uh, when we look death straight into the face, then uh, uh, it could improve the quality of our japa. Right? It might work better than a japa retreat, I tell you, yes. Uh, so in this way, we can see how it's, it's a bitter pill. Oh, this pill is too bitter. Why did he make such a bitter pill? He made a bitter pill because we are really thoroughly, stubbornly attached to the material energy. And that's why 
there's sand in the sweet rice. It's not fair. He doesn't give us the freedom of choice. No, he doesn't. He gives us independence, minute independence, but in the end, he just can't wait any longer. Okay, throw a dose of suffering into the mix. And that will make them come back to me sooner. Uh, one has to understand like this. So it's not only that suffering is due to our own karma. No, because if you think about it on a deeper level, yes, but what? where does this law of karma come from? Right, okay, the suffering is due to my karma, the law of karma, every action, reaction, sinful action, uh, heavy reaction, fine. But where does that law come from? <laughs> it's the sand in the sweet rice. Anyway, like this, we are looking at it. So that is the love of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord, who is somehow or other showing his eagerness to bring us back to the spiritual world. It takes a lot of maturity to, to thoroughly embrace this to totally accept this. This is not just so easily embraced, you know what I mean? Uh, people, yeah, when heavy things happen, sometimes someone comes and says, uh, and says, uh, are you not, not angry? Are you not angry with Krishna? Now this heavy thing happened to you. And wasn't it heavy? Yes, it was really heavy. So, you're not angry with Krishna? No, I'm not angry with Krishna. I'm grateful. Grateful? Yes, because he gave me special attention. Yes, yes. He didn't leave me alone in my cloud of ignorance. Right? He didn't leave me alone in my buffalo state of mind, just walking around in the material world and just enjoying my senses because it's all I've ever known. What else is there? Uh, nothing else. This is it. Right? And everything else, yes. Like one devotee told me, Yes, Krishna consciousness was a beautiful dream. <laughs> that meant back to buffalo consciousness. <laughs> ah, well, no, my dear buffalo. No, no, no. It's real. It is real. Um, it is very real. But then, yes, it's not uh, superficial. It's not enough to just go to the Sunday feast. I never miss one Sunday. Oh, very good. You are getting, uh, you know, uh, a big piece of cake for that. Yay. Uh, every Sunday. Yes, that is good. But there is something more. Uh, there is something more. And that's called internal life. An internal change, we have to embrace, embrace Krishna. We have to embrace everything that Krishna sends us. And we have to see, we have to see behind everything, the loving Krishna. Uh, 
right? They have to accept with love, not just all right, all right, all right. I'll tolerate this suffering. God, it's hell. Oh, but I'll tolerate it. I'll tolerate it so that I can go back to the spiritual world. All right. It may be like that. We may still go, even if we tolerate it in that mood. Because tatenu kampam susamiksamano, even. So it is still there that if we tolerate, but the real thing is to embrace. To embrace. Yes, Krishna. Yes, whatever you sent to me. Yes. That is your grace. That is your kindness. Thank you for giving me attention. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Krishna. <laughs> All the teeth are falling out. Uh, Thank you for your, your blessings. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> Okay, now to balance this statement. <laughs> we are human, right? And I do, um, I do remember Ridayananda March in a lecture speaking about a devotee who was a young devotee, went before the deity and said, my dear, my dear Lord, please purify me. And then uh, 30 years later, that same devotee prayed again, and prayed, my dear Lord, please purify me softly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also there, right? So I admit, I do pray, my dear Lord, uh, if possible, softly, <laughs> softly, please, if it can be. Um, but yeah, whatever happens, Whatever happens, we have to rise to the occasion and embrace it. Krishna's mercy. Okay, well, good luck with this lecture. <laughs> I didn't pre-plan it, but it's sort of wound up here. And uh, I know it's a bit much to digest, but uh, let's hear what you have to say. Yes. Uh, no, no, but then, then, then the internet, internet can also be heard. Okay, in the spirit of the, in the spirit of the world, is Ladinishakti. Ah. It's a um, what um, Krishna's uh, pleasure potency energy. And the question is, is this Ladinishakti come could come also here to us and um, ah. and we can access. Latini Shakti. Experience. Experience. Okay. We can experience also the same or we will be Yes. 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 So by devotional service, we can become a Jivan Mukta and then we can fully experience, fully, the whole thing, the whole spiritual experience we can have. The Ladini Shakti experience. Devotional service is, is, is comprising of that Ladini Shakti. Devotional service. Uh, 
the deities are that Ladini Shakti, the uh, the Kirtan Ladini Shakti, uh, Prasadam Ladini Shakti. Yes, so Ladini Shakti is there in our life, and that Ladini Shakti is uh, is greatly valuable to us, greatly valuable to us, uh, because it it acts like touchstone. Sparsamani, it acts like touchstone. And so whoever comes in contact with that becomes transformed by it. And it removes the uh, material uh, influence gradually. So, uh, so we're very fortunate and therefore, yes, we're always taking shelter. Uh, sometimes you think that spiritual life is a big fight. A big fight with our lower nature. Somehow or other, I have to conquer. I have to conquer this lower nature. It's impossible. But I have to do it. There's no other solution. It's the only way. No, 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 no. Simply take shelter. Take shelter of all the Ladini Shakti that is brought into this world by Krishna and the pure devotees. And if we just take shelter of that, then automatically, prakāsante mahatmanaha, automatically, the transcendental reality is revealed. So, and over time, uh, over time, we become more aware that it's less about a fight, some element of fighting is there, it's less about a fight and more about just taking shelter. Take shelter. Shelter of the holy name, taking shelter. So, in the beginning, we said, yeah, but I am taking shelter of the holy name. I am taking shelter of devotees. I'm, I'm taking shelter of the temple, taking shelter of all these things. But it doesn't work. Relax. It's, we want uh, instant results, you know? Instant coffee, right? You know? Too lazy, I mean, of course, but too lazy to make the real thing instant, you know? Just some. Everything instant, instant soup, you know, I mean, just like some powder, boom, soup is there. Amazing. And not boil all the vegetables, so much work. We want everything instant, instant, instant prem. Uh, yes, I want Krishna prem, but do I have to pay for it? Huh? Can't I get it for free? I don't really want to pay for it. That's the problem. Um, so Lord Chaitanya is, is giving it almost for free. Just wants some faith. Sraddha Bindu. Uh, in the Namahata. In, the, uh, in that marketplace of the holy name. You have to pay the price of faith. That's all. Yes, let's go to Lord Nichananda and purchase the holy name with some faith. If you don't pay with faith, you get counterfeit. You get counterfeit means false. False money, false geld. <laughs> Uh, 
Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you were speaking about developing more of this internal life yeah. as we grow in this spiritual journey. And I'm seeing myself, I'm both a beginner still, very often caught into the external and do, 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 and what would be your advice for a practitioner to go more into this internal spiritual life? The internal spiritual life means that um, while we are engaging with the uh, material energy for Krishna, we are seeing another dimension. So we see more, you know, as uh, we're not just moving some things from here to there, but we're seeing like, uh, we're seeing everything, how it's connected with Krishna, how it's connected with Krishna's purpose, how it is connected. With Krishna. In this way, we can work in the material world and have that greater vision um, of seeing Krishna behind everything, seeing Krishna's purpose, seeing Krishna's goal, and in this way living very closely in our internal relationship with Krishna. Um, however, we also need to uh, sometimes just withdraw from the material energy and just connect with Krishna. So when we're chanting Japa, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just switch off uh, of everything else and just get absorbed in the chanting or in a kirtan. Uh, just, uh, just deeply get absorbed in the holy name. Uh, and uh, which is very easy and very natural. So uh, therefore, we have our spiritual practices, our sadhana, of direct connection with Krishna in the form of his name, in the form of the deity and so on. And we are surcharging with these direct activities, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, that's why we're going through this. And then later in the day, uh, we deal with the material energy, but with that spiritual vision, right? Uh, and yeah, different birds fly on different levels in the sky of spiritual vision, some very low, right? And some very high. Um, and sometimes I say that by the, that some birds don't fly at all in this world, we see. But by the mercy of the Lord, of Lord Chaitanya, even birds that normally don't fly are also flying, just like chickens. Like we become flying chickens. And um, so our internal vision will develop and will grow. Um, then there is, we can borrow from the Acharyas. This is called Chayabhav, right? Um, we can first uh, borrow knowledge, but also borrow, borrow some of the ecstasy of the Acharyas. You know, like when I read the Gopal Champu, right? And Jiva Goswami is describing the love of Vrindavan, right? How just Vrindavan is just full of ecstasy. Right? and how it's full of love, then uh, 
then I see it a little different. I never saw it like that. You know, I saw Vindavan is spiritual, it's full of spiritual power. Full of spiritual, that I saw, Vindavan is full of spiritual power. I saw it on the day I joined. I walked into Vindavan, I saw this place is full of spiritual power. But I didn't realize that Vindavan was full of love until Jiva Goswami started to explain it. Then, from that day on, I, I, he opened my eyes. Now I'm looking at Vrindavan differently. So, we borrow from the Acharyas and then we get some shadow of their ecstasy. Right? I mean, Jiva Goswami isn't just writing this. Jiva Goswami is experiencing this. He's seeing this. He's just overflowing with love himself because of this amazing mercy of Krishna. But now I also get, because of Jiva Goswami's mercy, a little shadow reflection just by reading the Gopal Champu. So in this way, uh, we are borrowing from the Acharyas, we are borrowing from the Dham. It says Chayabhav, we can get from the Dham, we can get from the pure devotees. And by prolonged association, it can become our own. It's just when you borrow something, if you had it for a long time, you sometimes find a book in someone's book uh, shelf and you find a name in there, you know. Uh, Golokadam Library or something like that. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, we have a few of those in Radish. <laughs> yes. I think this phenomena is not only happening here. Um, there's even some people call ISKCON a revolving door, you know, which is one of those spinning doors at the, at the shopping center, right? Uh, so ISKCON has been called that. Uh, 
So the phenomena is 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 worldwide. Uh, few few stay and many are moving on, and there's always change and so on. And in some way, that holds back the uh, the growth and the development, right? because if people would really stay, they can build something up, etc. Um, yes. Um, we can identify the the problem, the, the cause of the problem, and we can also look at some things we can, uh, some solutions we can offer. Well, I mean, I, I I'll, I'll, I'm just sketching now because it's uh, it's just uh, it's not a seminar, you know what I mean? So uh, just sketching, uh, you could say um, we are coming from. Uh, a life of uh, in the material world you come into an ISKCON community and it is nice spiritually a lot of inspiration but it's also limiting it is also limiting because it's you have to sacrifice some of your individual freedom living in such a community uh, you're supposed to the, com the community is not only nice and loving but it also adheres to strict spiritual standards and you know and sometimes you just feel i want my freedom and i want to be on my own you know just somewhere where i can do what i want yeah so uh, so that's one reason why a lot of people move on into their own uh, private space after some years and then they start to fill in Krishna consciousness in their own way, yeah? and not exactly according to the book. Once I discussed this with Sachinandan Maharaj, he said, he said, I give it an average of five, six years. Right? That's what he said. Um, but he he uh, he also knew the phenomena. Um, what can we do you know so that wasn't a full analysis of the problem it was just one comment uh, you know what can we do to make it uh make it attractive to stay here um well okay plans yes this this place uh as long as it's uh, from the from day one it was conceived as a retreat center uh, it was clear this is a retreat center. It's not a farm, you know, it's, it's, it's a retreat center. It's a place where people can go for that purpose. And that's what they, when they came and they looked at the houses, that's what they thought it was going to be, a community and a retreat center. And over the years, it, it, it did function like that, you know. And various leaders have used it as retreat center. And it's still... Uh, basically being used to that and right now we are retreating from coronavirus <laughs> uh, so it's a retreat center i think by its uh, natural identity from my point of view when you look at a project and you want to make it into something the first thing is you first look at what is it yeah? don't just start dreaming what shall we make of this place but first you look very carefully what is this place you know 
like I was working in Mayapur with professional architects on the master plan. What, what they did, they, they looked at how, how is it connected? How far is the place from all the train stations? From, from the, how are the roads? How is this? How is that? How easy it is to get here? Uh, you know, how close are the nearest cities? Which are the target areas? It, it, it really laid it out like that very nicely and say, what is it, right? And they spent like a lot of time on what is the place? What is this place? And then accordingly, we can make plans. Um, and then you make a beautiful plan, and then the beautiful plan goes into the drawer. Oh, and why does it go into the drawer? Because you didn't do one of the things you have to do is that from the very beginning, you have to involve everyone, as many as possible. People have to feel they're part of it. Otherwise, you know, if it's just a nice little management group and they come with a plan and other people are not part of it, and then if you're like, well, you know, nice plan, but not my plan, you know? And I mean, I don't really feel like, uh, you know, participating. No, so people have to feel ownership of the plan. If, and sometimes, you know, as, as the management, you have to even let people, you already know what you want, but you can't say what you want. You have to let them discover it on, the, on their own so that it becomes their idea, not yours. Because if it's your idea, mm -mm, it's not going to go anywhere. No, you have to wait till they discover the idea you already had, and then you go, and then you go, wow, that's an amazing idea. Anyway, these are all, uh, but participation is the principle of, uh, of, of, uh, and letting people do things, let them take initiatives, and adjust your ideas to some of theirs. Yeah, uh, you know, let people do their own individual thing. Years ago, uh, we discussed build projects around people, right? Don't build projects, but just build projects to accommodate people and their, I, their desires and their, build it on the desires of people. Yeah, pure desires, of course, but, you know, let, let people fulfill their desires here. Then, because when you fulfill your desire, then you want to stay. Anyway, those are some ideas. But uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.